0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I am Amina Atuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, we talk about the Neil Gorsuch Supreme Court confirmation hearings, human going out top and conservative commentator Tommy Lauren, women CEOs of startups are in some hot water this week, including Sophia Maruso from Nasty Gal and Mickey Agrawal from Thinks. Plus, Dove Charney remains the worst, so much worse than any of those women. We're going to talk about it. Hi, boo-boo. How's your day going? Just great. I've, I've eaten, like, I've had a very weird day for me, which is to say I've eaten more desserts than I have savory things. I don't even know. It's like wow. I, I'm i having one of those days where I'm, like, working too hard and not getting up to make proper meals. So that's what's happening with me. All I've
1: eaten today is fruit in this way <laughs> that is, like, not... It, obviously, it's because, like, there's no food in the house. There's only, like, many, many fruits. And I made a pie, which I can't eat because I have to take it to dinner. It's like every two hours, I just feel my like (laughs) blood sugar rise and crash. And it's like, time for more
0: cherries, time for more bananas. This is not good. Here is my secret confession. Whenever I accomplish something that's kind of like baking a pie or doing some like high-end domestic chore while I'm also completing High my work. High-end domestic chore. <laughs> I mean, baking a pie is kind of a high-end domestic chore. It's not cleaning the <laughs> toilet. It's something that you, it's like a beautiful thing that you can take to like your dinner later or whatever, right? Whenever I'm doing something that I actually enjoy doing, but is kind of in the realm of the domestic, like let's say I'm repotting some plants, you know, I love that. While simultaneously like keeping up with my work is when I feel like the most, oh my God, having like reaching my full potential of working from home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know that's like well i did clean the toilet bowls today and it wow was, like, very intense uh clean the shower but this pie looks good i wish i could send you a slice what's fi- what is it filled with just describe uh, it cherry pie oh my fave i love that yeah i'm taking it to like a one percenter feminist dinner later so i'm very excited oh my god what is a one percenter feminist <laughs> dinner <laughs> uh, it's just uh it's my name for like
0: awesome feminist
1: ladies in New York. We like have a lot of privilege.
0: I would say because like, my guess would be if you're bringing a fancy dessert to a 1% or a feminist dinner, the rule would have to be that you paid someone else to make it, <laughs> you know?
1: Oh, man, that's true. But you know, anxiety problems. So <laughs> this is,
0: this <laughs> this is how we know you're myself. a 99 percenter at heart. You made, oh, the pie. <laughs> made the pie myself. Okay. Are you clued into the Gorsuch hearings? Are you like watching that at all?
1: Okay, I'm really confused about these Gorsuch hearings because I was under the impression that at the meeting after the election, we had clearly had told our elected officials like nobody is passing through here. And now I hear that my man's about to be like voted on by like April 3rd. This is not good.
0: Right. Like the hijacking of this seat that was supposed to be for an Obama nominee. Yeah, Obama and you, nominee. you know
1: really what it is too, is yeah. that you realize that like Democrats are like generally spineless. and two, it's because he like comes across as this like charming, nice guy. They're all like, well, I guess I'll meet with him. And I'm like, no, remember when like nobody would
0: meet with Merrick Garland? Nobody was also like, a charming, nice guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, who was also like charming and nice. And actually, I'm sure like we didn't even like his politics. But like, I don't like I don't understand how like they're not outraged that uh, Republicans stole an Obama uh, Supreme Court seat. Like I think about that often and it like enrages me all over again.
0: Yeah, like reading a lot of the coverage, that's like, he's a judge's judge. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? All that means is like other important people in his profession seem to like him personally. And he he doesn't seem like the craziest option of all the people that could have been nominated for this seat. Like, I know. which to me still sounds like terrible, right? Like none of that sounds good. Also, it
1: turns out like he's friends with like bad billionaires like the rest of them. They all have, like, a web of secret, nefarious, like, millionaires and
0: billionaires. He does drive a gold Mercedes convertible, though, I heard on NPR, and I was like, that sounds pretty cool. (laughs) I did hear that, and I was like, oh, this is why everyone likes him. This is why everyone likes
1: him. To be clear, like, I am not a Supreme Court expert by any stretch, and I only went to the NBC School of Law and Order but he like clued into the new judge style of like they don't tell you anything that they're thinking, and so they like get nominated and then get sat on the bench and then you realize that they're like basically fascists. Like who knows? Right. Yeah. The
0: tell is originalist. That's the word. That's like the tell. <laughs>
1: uh, I am so I'm so mad about this because clearly like we have other stuff going on. Right. There's Russia inquiries. The president is like doing crazy shit. So honestly, like on my to-do list of like things to care about and like call my senators about, this is a low priority, which is exactly also how he's going to sail by, you know? Like,
0: oh, sail this by. This is
1: the least, this is the least crazy thing that's going on with Trump. Yeah. He's going
0: to glide by in his gold convertible.
1: <laughs> and all of the Republicans who are like, even are never Trump people are really happy about this choice. So... That's the other advantage that he has is that they're just like, oh, this is the one smart thing our president has done. And I'm like, no.
0: And, you know, and there's so many things like if you try to drill down turning to our core people at the National Women's Law Center for some insights about why and how he's terrible. Uh, Love those ladies. You know, for example, over the weekend, they released a statement that had to do with an in-class discussion when he was a professor where he was talking about how essentially it's totally chill for employers to, target women who may want to avail themselves of maternity leave at some point in the near future. And the fact that that was, those were questions solely focused on women. He's sort of like, you know, like that's just the way it is, right? Like more women take those benefits. Like why shouldn't employers be able to ask about it? And the thing about that, it's like, right, that's terrible, but having to use, because women are carrying the babies that you people say we can't get rid of. Oh yeah. Don't even get me started on how this intersects with his like anti-choice beliefs. Right. Right. But the fact that, like, essentially a law school conversation about a hypothetical is a thing that we have to go on because you're right, he is this new mold of judge who isn't going to be all Scalia in your face about everything until he's confirmed.
1: This whole maternity, like, taking maternity benefits thing, like, actually made me really upset because it makes, like, women seem like they're just these, like, professional grifters, you know? They, like, take jobs because. God forbid you're going to have better benefits like one like fuck you to everybody who thinks that and to be clear it's not just the like conservative Supreme Court nominee person that thinks that like I've heard like liberal men say that it's just again like really 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 frustrating that this once again like is like a women's issue at the center of something that is like politically really important and we're like led to believe that there is you know there's two sides to the story. And it's like, actually, there's only one side to like thinking that women are people too.
0: (laughs) There's only one side to the fact that America provides no guaranteed time off work to someone who has just become a parent. Like that's really the only side that's in play here. Also,
1: there's literally like seven companies in America that like give you like decent maternity benefits. And trust me, if women worked at all of them, we would have no wage gap. So like that's not happening, first of all. Ah, it just drives me so crazy. This is has nothing to do with him, and more like with the general issue. But just like, still, this issue that like once you have sex with a man and you are pregnant, like everything is your responsibility.
0: Oh yeah, like you made the choice to have sex, so good luck. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. I'm just like, then what the fuck are y'all responsible for? Um, actually, doing all the regulations that dictate how the sex happened in the first place. <laughs> That's uh... like truly really like. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at it, but at a certain point, it's like. Uh, right but it's also like the fact that it takes
1: a women's like law center to be outraged by this women are attuned to this stuff but i guarantee you that when he said it in class like a lot of people like didn't think it was that crazy right what are we gonna do with this one
0: i mean and it's one of those things too where i get really angry because i think i think i was reading something over the weekend that was like listen he's filling scalia's seat and so like even if he's as conservative as Scalia, we're like kind of where we were before. And I was like, no, where we were before was Obama what? got to nominate someone. <laughs> that's where we were before. Scalia right. keeled over on a weird like brotherhood hunting trip and Obama got to pick. And then yeah. like they didn't let that happen. So I don't know. Like that's also the thing that makes me angry about it too. The, like, the, the level of resignation of like no big deal.
1: I know. But you know, sometimes like I literally like will lay in bed and just like I'm so angry about the Merrick Garland thing. But then I'm just like, it's true. At worst, like we just get another Scalia. And if like ISIS can chill for four years, then and like all of the Supreme Court justices take all their vitamins and like nobody dies. This thing is still in play and like that is such a
0: ridiculous
1: (laughs) you know what I mean it is such a ridiculous like mental exercise
0: right and puppies and rainbows and but that's literally (laughs) where I'm at right now I'm like
1: is everybody like doing okay it's like everybody taking their meds it's like how do I get word to ISIS like just chill give us four years to like sort out our business over here and then like game on with you guys soon right there's no equilibrium. So any slight like movement just feels like seismic shift right now. Neil Gorsuch is like young and strapping. That My man's going to be like doing terrible things to us for the next 40 years at least.
0: Yeah. Forever. Like forever. On the court forever. I just uh, like really. How soon can we get him interested in like hunting in weird locations? <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe sounds like he's
1: conspiracy. already into That's that. That's my favorite conspiracy theory though. It's like what happened to Did you see this picture of when he went to visit Diane Feinstein at her office and she's like so excited about it?
0: No, I didn't. Oh my God. Hold.
1: I'm sending to you right now. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? Are you sure she's so excited about the derailing of the Supreme Court? (laughs) (laughs) Looks like it to me. Mm. Mm. All right.
1: Diane's one of those like, obviously like love her sci fi like been around forever. at the same time, it's like her level headedness is not what we need right now. And that's that's been like really hard to reconcile.
0: You're right. like these sort of totally applaudable cooperative tactics that worked 30 years ago when we lived in an era of civil politics if there's any proof that that does not work anymore, it's like the fact that we are debating and Congress is probably going to confirm this nominee and like not the person that Obama put forth months and months and months and months and months ago.
1: It's so, this makes me so angry. We should find Merrick Garland and interview
0: him for this very podcast. I know.
1: Where are they now? Merrick
0: Garland. (laughs) I knew this day would come quickly, but like it came so quickly.
1: (laughs) I'm like really out for vengeance on this one. Like, I'm so upset and I don't even like Merrick Garland like that. You know what I mean?
0: I just saw a quote from DiFi who says she's deeply disappointed that Merrick Garland never got a Supreme Court hearing. And it's like, well.
1: You're yeah. like, how disappointed are you, Diane? Show me with your actions, <laughs> not your words. <laughs> Show me how disappointed you are. Right. Do you know about this girl, Tommy Lauren? I can't say her name. Tammy. I call her Tammy because that's what black Twitter calls her.
0: Tammy. Uh (laughs) Tammy. I have heard of her conservative media darling who is like a baby, right? Yes. 100% a baby. In fact, let me look up her age.
1: She's like the definition of a walking going out top. This one
0: (laughs) human going out top. Tommy Lauren
1: (laughs) human going out top, Tommy Lauren 24 years of age, which means that she just like graduated college yesterday. Right. I don't say this to be ageist. I say this to tell you about like how much experience she has in the world. So Tommy Lauren works for, crazy conservative person glenn beck she's at his network whatever that thing is called
0: new hipster glenn beck that guy <laughs> oh my god glenn want
1: to strangle him
0: <laughs> sorry i'm baiting you so tommy Lauren works for
1: glenn beck and to be fair to her she did not invent this style actually like liberals are who made this style like very obnoxious and popular she makes these like videos where she just like looks into the camera and she just like rants for 20 minutes you know like very keith oberman if you know what i'm talking
0: about like our podcast but with more direct eye contact exactly
1: <laughs> like, listen there's a lot of love and friendship on this podcast along with the rants um, it's true. but you know that thing right it's like the like straight to camera like let me tell you how it is keith oberman like garbage monologue nonsense
0: right like let me tell you the truth no one else is gonna tell you that vibe totally And Tammy,
1: (laughs) I love calling her Tammy, and Tammy very early on caught on to the fact that like in order for that to work you have to be like super controversial because people love it when you say it, uh, when you tell it like it is. Some of her earliest monologues were like calling Jay-Z a drug dealer and saying Beyonce was married to a drug dealer and she was always like glomming herself onto whatever could make like good hashtag controversy
0: or you know like
1: saying that like black lives matter was a terrorist movement for example, oh
0: yeah that's what i know her from from that specific comment right yes this like 24 year old from like south
1: dakota who lives in vegas again like human going out top (laughs) like this was her whole thing also the thing that shows going for her she is young she is pretty she's on tv and we all know like tv people are the devil So her platform just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger because her, like, YouTube channel, it was, like, massive. This thing that conservatives do, like, drive me crazy where they're just, like, everybody's so afraid of, like, free speech and you have to be PC now. So, like, I just say like it is. And I'm, like, no, you people are just racist. You just like saying racist things out loud. Just, like, admit to that. So she, like fashioned herself this conservative Barbie she's really into guns she's like pro-meat you name it like Ann Coulter 20 years ago but like way dumber I do not like Ann Coulter at all you can't accuse Ann Coulter of being stupid Sure, she's made so much money. She's she's a very savvy businesswoman. Yeah, she's a really savvy businesswoman, but also prefrontal cortex like intact, like <laughs> like synapse like synapses firing on all cylinders.
0: Like right, she does know exactly like what she is doing and is strategic about the choices she makes. Exactly, you know, like she's
1: like a Harvard lawyer. This communications major from University of Nowhere. Ugh. But so anyway, Tommy is in a lot of hot water because she was on the View the other day. Which is, like, such a problem, right? She's been legitimized in all of these, like, really big media ways. Like, Trevor Noah had her on. Oh, um, they had, like, a deep
0: heart-to-heart. Yeah, he had her her on the Daily
1: Show. He had her on the Daily Show. And honestly, like, that was my final straw with me and Trevor Noah. No love lost there. But just, like, framing this as some sort of, like, we need to understand where these people are coming from. I'm like, no, these people are coming from they're racist and they're opportunists. Like, that's where they're coming from. Debating people means that you have to have a baseline of good faith these kinds of people have like zero good faith and are intellectually dishonest you don't need to understand where this dummy comes from (laughs) but so anyway she's on the view which is like ostensibly like a big deal for her and on the view she like comes out saying that she's (laughs) pro-choice which is hilarious for like many reasons one just like a couple of months ago she like went on this off on this rant about lena dunham and like definitely declared that like killing babies was murder i don't know about you but you know like that's not like pro-choice to me but whatever so she's on the view and she's like saying how uh you know she's like she's she's now pro-choice because she believes in like small government and she wants people to stay out of her guns, so they should also stay out of her body the most beautiful plot twist in the world happened. All of the conservatives have now turned on her because that's definitely the third rail for them. The best tweet that I saw on this was like some like other conservative Barbie was like, at least Hillary never called us hypocrites.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also downside of telling it like it is, which is that even women who are really conservative want access to services to control their own bodies. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, whoops, got too real. (laughs) Gina, I hope you
1: play the clip, but, like, she sounds like a complete idiot. She's like, I'm a constitutional, and it's like, "Mm, actually, you mean constitutionalist.
0: You call yourself a conservative... a conservative republican and a constitutional conservative but you also consider yourself pro-choice which is interesting to me because sixty eight percent of conservative republicans think that abortion should be illegal across the board
1: no I'm pro-choice and here's why I am a constitutional you know someone that loves the constitution I am someone that's for limited government and so I can't sit here and be a hypocrite and say I'm for limited government but I think that the government should decide what women do with their bodies I can sit here and say that as a republican and I can say you know what I'm for limited government so stay out of my, my guns and you can stay on my body as well. So I think it's. Oh, you need uh, to go out and speak to women about that. I know, I can do. of women. Yeah. I do every day. And now she's taking like a ton of heat. Apparently, she's like been suspended from her uh, from her job at glenbecknetworkinc.com, Network Inc. dot com LLC. And like that's not <laughs> happening for her. She like uh, they've all turned on her because they realize that like having this like dummy as the face of your movement. Like, listen, I have no love for conservatives, but like. They can do a lot better (laughs) than, like, this girl for, you know, like, whatever the future of conservatism is supposed to be. You know, it's like, oh, when she was saying all these racist things, you guys were down for that. But the minute that Redneck Barbie is, like, pro-choice, like, no, that cannot stand. Welcome to Sexism 101, young lady. You gonna learn today. (laughs) <laughs> it really terrifies me that like people like this have the kinds of platforms that they do, because whether she means it or not, like people feel justified in their racist beliefs
0: because of people like her. Yeah, I mean, and it is hard for me because on one hand, I want to understand what is for informing the worldview of people who are like saying and voting for terrible things and i don't mean this in a like empathy for trump voters kind of sense i mean it in a like educate and arm yourself about what is coming for you it's the same right
1: the messages are always the same it's always like racism wrapped as economic anxiety which is complete garbage and it is this like belief that like saying hateful things about people is uh telling it like it is which is like a god-given right to them like i don't think these people are complicated at all
0: yeah. And I guess I don't mean that I think that she is personally complicated, but it's like, it's just in the, in that kind of like, I don't know, like, like some of the things that I think about, like from the Bush era of like how conservative media was put together and funded and things like that, which is less about understanding the beliefs of the people and more about systemically, like how... How are, like, they reaching people to communicate this garbage? I guess, like, that is sort of what I'm getting at. And, like, in in that sense, like you say, like, not super smart. She is more of a tool to that end. And when she's no longer useful as a tool, when she's like, oh, maybe I'm pro-choice, the mechanics of that as opposed to trying to find some deeper truth or understanding about the beliefs, which is not to say I don't think Trevor Noah made a huge mistake.
1: Oh, my God, the biggest mistake. But you know what? That's a story for another podcast.
0: I, like this week, find myself preoccupied with relatively young women CEOs, or like at this point, former CEOs, namely Mickey Agarwal from Thinks, who's in the news. We can talk about her in a sec. Do you mean she CEOs? Oh my God. I, I refuse. <laughs> I absolutely refuse. And then there was also an article about the bankruptcy and sale of Nasty Gal. So about Sofia Amoruso as well, who you might know from her girl boss book, which was very popular. I don't think has Mickey Agarwal written
1: a book too. Do they both? Yes. Books. Okay. You know that like having a book is an integral part of having,
0: Oh my God, completely. It's like how you cross the like 50 K Instagram followers threshold or whatever. Like, I don't know. Exactly. She has, she has a book that hold on. It actually has a really funny title. Do cool shit, quit your day job, start your own business and live happily ever after. Oh my God. Well, she apparently did start her own business, but the happily ever after is the jury is still out. <laughs> have you, have you been following the news about her this week? Yeah,
1: I have been reading every juicy detail with my jaw on the floor, like everybody else. But if I'm really honest, also like kind of not shocked.
0: Right. And I think that that is the theme, the common theme here, which is that these are both Consumer facing businesses started by relatively young women that have been written about for their like cutting edge aesthetic and like, you know, feminist undertones. And in the case of Thinks, there were a whole bunch of allegations about, like, you're right, like the day to day office stuff, like inadequate maternity leave bad things when it comes to salary negotiations and like how much different employees who do the same work were getting paid. And like basically general like failure to create feminist utopia within your own company
1: right you can't like sell feminism if you're not practicing feminism at home it's like your employees will notice like that's a big problem
0: sure and then eventually they will anonymously speak to the press in large numbers and you will have to write a medium post explaining how you're not good at being doing the hr part of being a ceo that's basically what happened
1: yeah you know like on on one hand like things What's the other one? Nasty called? girl, nasty girl, nasty Gal. girl. <laughs> You know these like empowerment water. They love to sell to women, and they want women to support them. And all of the marketing is like hinges on everybody being down with the sisterhood. What do we preach on the show? Trust nobody. Uh,
0: is that what really we preach? <laughs>
1: that is what we preach on the show. Trust nobody. It's not even that deep, right? It's like you don't even have to go looking very far to see that like none of these people practice what they preach. You can't be out there like telling women bodily autonomy, buy this like $300 like a leather jacket to be a part of the sisterhood, but you can't provide your employees with like basic HR needs, especially when you know that like that kind of messaging is the reason that like very idealistic like young women will come work there for zero
0: Dogs. Right, because you are a charismatic figure who like supposedly lives your beliefs i know but at the same time like this is
1: kind of my call out to like young people who like you want to like do good in the world or whatever this is a really good reminder that the only way that your company shows that they value you is by how much they pay you and like what kind of benefits they give you like everything else is just talk founders will get rich if they work hard enough like you might not get rich so be vigilant also and like look out for yourself because let me tell you who's not looking out for you. CEOs, like, they are not looking out for you. There's only room for like one person.
0: Okay. So here's a question. So when I, when I read both of these articles, like one of the questions that I had was about, is this just like a systemic problem wherein if you take outside investment and funding, to because, because you want your business to be like massive, right? You are like scaling rapidly to help more women or whatever you tell yourself. Is that system so incompatible with like actually having a feminist value system as an employer that you are doomed to fail from day one? Or is it like, it's just really hard to be an ethical CEO, period, no matter what type of company you have and no matter what type of investment, it's always going to be hard and women get put in the spotlight more for their failures
1: i think that there are a lot of truths here i think that having an ethical company of any kind like it doesn't have to be a feminist company like look at the jessica alba trying to do honest <laughs> shit and then turns out that there's like hella chemicals in all her <laughs> stuff. awkward uh, you know i think like running running an ethical business is hard because capitalism is a dirty game there's no room for like being a good and nice person or there is, you will just take less money, like which you just have to be okay with. But the problem is that like when you have investors, unless all of your investors are on the exact same page about you, about the kind of company that you want to run, then that's hard because everybody wants to get paid back. It is also true that women led businesses are scrutinized more, but I submit to you that in these two cases, That's not necessarily true. Their downfall was that they were preaching something they weren't practicing. And I don't think that that has anything to do with women. If anything, I think it has to do with just like the glaring hypocrisy of it all.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, there is a part of me that's like, I want people who use like their feminist ideals as part of the selling point for supporting their business and shopping with them to be held to a higher standard, right? Like should be held to like, an excellent standard. How are the people who work for you? What kind of experience are they having? What are the people who you work with on like all points of the supply chain? What experience are they having? Like, I think that is totally a fair standard. But you know, it is hard for me when I'm like, I care about these things as well. And like, I think that frankly, one way for women to, differentiate themselves and like get funding and like make their businesses work, which is a thing that I want women to be able to do. Yep. Yeah, but don't be disingenuous about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what I was going to say is like, I, I understand the temptation to use that as part of some kind of brand differentiation. I mean, it's really, it's like basically it's empowertizing and it's fucked up. But like, I get this notion. I've read enough things about women pitching their businesses and like how men with money tend to respond to women's business ideas, especially when those business ideas are like serving like a largely female demographic. And so I'm like, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is yes, it's definitely a trap. I know we say that all the time too, but like this idea of not that it's the only way you can get your business funded, but that like when you need to find whatever advantage you can find to like, you know, like you're like, if you just want to run a clothing company, making it part of your selling point that it's like zeitgeisty and feminist or whatever. I mean, I get the temptation. It's like, there's all these forces that are not just capitalism is hard, but like additional pressure, I don't know, and I feel like you're
1: being a little too selfish <laughs> about this. No, true. If your thing is that you are going to sell to women, right, and that you want to empower them, you can't have it both ways. You cannot rely on, like, your distinguishable thing being that you're a woman and then you shit on women at every turn of the way. You can't, like, be disingenuous about it. It would be one thing for me if I really believe that these women they were trying to run feminist companies and there's actually no evidence of that, that that's what they were trying to do or that they even tried at all or that any of it worked. I would feel differently about it. Like one CEO that is also taking fire right now for like something that is similar is the ModCloth CEO. Oh, really? You know, like-
0: I didn't hear about this. Because
1: they just just sold to Jet.com, which is owned by Walmart and like people are losing their shit. Here's a company that like by all accounts has been like super pro woman founded by a woman has like done so much to move the needle for women in fashion. And by all accounts, like internally was a company that was really well run, like case in point, like the exit and sold to somebody that like people are like, uh like this company doesn't support women. Like ultimately, mm-hmm. right. She sold to a subsidiary of Walmart. And I think that like, that is a more complicated And kind of better frame for this conversation of, like, what happens when you try to run, like, a pro-woman, like, feminist business? Because here's somebody who's, like, I've taken my company as far as I can go. We, like, do awesome stuff. And now I need more resources. And, like, here is the form that the resources came in, you know? And the overlords are, like, not exactly the best. I'm more interested in, like, following that conversation than, like, hi, I'm a CEO who takes FaceTime calls on the toilet because I'm happy and free and so should all of you. Those are two very different things.
0: Well, and honestly, my understanding, maybe I've missed some like more serious allegations about like the Nasty Gal sale. Like my understanding of that was just, it's sort of somewhere in between the two of like a little bit of mismanagement, but not the kind of allegations that have come out about things coupled with the kind of need for getting more money that you talked about. So I feel like it's all on a spectrum. They're all different cases. It's all like, in some ways, the same underlying issue, but it's not like a cookie cutter. These women sold their shit with feminism and then, and then sold out the women who worked for them. I don't think they're like that clear cut.
1: If I remember right, Nasty Gal had a lot of those kind of problems early on. I think that later on they like brought in a management team, but you're right. Like, I don't know all of the particulars of that specific scenario. People forget that like, this stuff is hard, right? There's something like particularly like incredible seeing people who have like an idea in their head and then next thing you know it's like three offices around the world. You actually like execute on an idea that you've had for a long time. This is America. That shit will never not be amazing. Like God bless. <laughs> but at the same time, like just because you have this like a great idea and you execute on it like doesn't mean that you know how to treat employees. Right. And I think that startups get startups get like a huge pass for not implementing HR early, for not really like setting a professional work culture that is appropriate because everybody is so fixated on this. Like, let's build fast and break everything and blah, blah, blah. It's like slow down, Mark Zuckerberg. But, you know, again, like a lot of this stuff is not complicated. Right. It's like at the heart of it is like, do you value people's labor? And how do you reward it?
0: Right. And I think like for me, one of the questions I'm asking myself is like, oh, is it that I'm just not clued into many, many businesses that are like fit this mold, but happen to be run by men. And so I'm not looking at them in the same way. What part of this is the like claims about a feminist business and what part of it is like, oh God, this is like a systemic thing where like all startups have trouble understanding why HR is important and rules are important.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, people are just assholes. But you know, it's like (laughs) justice comes for everyone though. It's like, look at what Uber is going through right now, right? And that's like because a woman wrote a blog post essentially that like detailed what her experience was working there, which was horrific. And now the stock is tanking, like people are quitting left and right. Not to derail that conversation, but like that CEO went from being like everybody's favorite villain in Silicon Valley to like, oh my God, where's the adult in the room here? You know, I guess like where I'm trying to get to is that I hope that this image of like a bad boy CEO or just like a ruthless CEO or, you know, like Devil Wears Prada is subsiding a bit. Because it has, like, business implications that are bigger than just the CEO's, like, bottom line.
0: Oh, my God. Totally related. Did you listen to the Dove Charney slash American Apparel arc on the last season of Startup?
1: I know. First of all, I listened to it and I cannot believe that more people didn't talk about it. We are woke, so we, like, know that Dove Charney was a bad person. I like couldn't believe how much more despicable he was via audio. So,
0: so I, I just listened to this within the past few weeks. And I have to say like, okay, so first of all, the show or the podcast for those who have not heard it is like the loose premise is we follow a new business that is starting up. In this case, it is like a new business run by someone whose last business failed miserably, which is American Apparel. R.I.P tabling that for one moment. <laughs> we can we can we can go through your eulogy for American Apparel in a minute, but the first few episodes are like Dove Charney as protagonist talking about how he's rebuilding and his grand vision for this new business, which is basically just American apparel again, only with a slightly different name. And I... One trick pony. What are you going to do? Oh my God. And he, I think he's still wearing the glasses. <laughs> so like, you know, anyway. And so, so at this point I almost gave it up because I was like, ugh, I, I can't like, find it in my heart to want this guy to succeed again and then they start really getting into like truly what happened and why did american apparel fail and to your point about uber and and especially about like the idea of it being kind of like cool or at least something that doesn't matter much to have your ceo be a total air quote bad boy with zero boundaries and like you know, like lots of allegations floating around, but nothing a few NDAs and like private arbitration stuff won't fix. It is like honestly so appalling. Like, I mean I was like I knew he was bad. I had like followed I think various forms of the allegations against him, but it is like it is truly terrifying listening to many of the women who worked for him tell their stories about that experience. And then and then of course the whole the whole season as an editor, I'm like, oh, my God, you guys did not do your job. I mean, I'm interested in it, but it's like it's not a podcast about a new business, right? Like it is truly the season is about it's a podcast about a predator. Exactly. It is like it. Yes, it's like to catch a predator who is well funded and installed at the top of his company. It's like to catch a predator who's telling
1: you exactly how he's a predator. Oh, my God, like, completely. Is and, and is
0: claiming it's part of his business success.
1: Yeah, it's you know, and American Apparel, like really complicated company, right? It's like on one hand, like actually made in America, actually made by a lot of immigrants and Americans like in LA, that part of the story we're all happy about. And then the rest of it, you're just like, like marketed like pornography and like run like a complete nuthouse. Yeah. And he got away with it. He got away with it for as long as he could. In part because people are like, that's what makes the company sexy and you need a creep to like run a sexy company. But I don't know, like when I was listening to all of his employees talk, I'm just like, you guys, unemployment is literally a 5%. Like run, you can get a job anywhere. This is not okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's also, there is something as well about listening to people who these reporters interview. You know, essentially like knowing what they know about his behavior and them being like, you know what, people's memories are pretty short. He'll probably be successful at this new business. It is really complicated. The reason I started, went back and listened to it is a woman I know here who's a friend of a friend was doing the Spanish-English translation for the interviews for this podcast with the people who had been employed in American Apparel's factories and how excited they were that he was starting a new business and how supportive of him they were. And it's like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh God, like I hate hearing that this is a person who had like one aspect of their business be something that is like very much aligned with other things I want to see happen, but like the packaging and his behavior and everything else being so terrible. And in a weird way, it's like, it sort of feels like the conversation about some of those other businesses run by women, totally different, like in terms of the scale of like the the behavior I would say, but at its root, just being like, I support certain things about your work so wholeheartedly. And then other parts of it, it's just like, wow, where is the adult?
1: Yeah, it's also interesting to me that those women fell faster than he did, for example. Oh my God, and completely. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, like a granted, the thinks lady is getting sued for sexual harassment, but like you know, there's like no rapey vibes at these like lady companies compared to like what's going on in American Apparel. And I feel like if the economy had been stronger, he would have probably held on for a much even longer, you know. And so I think that like the double standard to me is there. Is how much quicker people are to call women kind of evil and or like see their incompetence or like really just like knock them down. Like that happens faster for them. I think that there's a point to be made too that like part of the reason that like this happens to a lot of women CEOs is because they have to perform based on like male success metrics you have to like run the office like the evil man CEO, but you're going to get treated differently for it.
0: Or not even like like a traditional kind of evil man CEO, but like this idea that work is life is passion is politics like it's all the exact same thing and like that's how you convince people to believe in you but also like when i look at and also
1: you don't give maternity leave because like we're working all the time
0: but like that is really like a lot of that stuff when the season of startup when Dove charney is giving his excuses his only excuse like for being incredibly abusive is just like well, I don't see a distinction. It's just like, you know, my coworkers aren't just my coworkers. They're like my friends. They're like my lovers. They're And I'm just like, right, no, Right, you're like wrong. an HR would beg to disagree. <laughs> right, like, you are wrong. Is salary is <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> yeah so I don't know I mean
0: like truly he he is like I mean I know that we're not ranking villains but like definitely the worst of all of these people
1: oh no he's like are you kidding me he's like definitely worse than like I like I don't care what these other ladies right you know like these other ladies crimes is like crimes against like women at large it's so crazy to me too that he doesn't feel he doesn't feel sorry like these women have to like explain themselves in medium posts and like kind of pretend they're taking the high road This guy, like, basically gets an entire, like, podcast to make people kind of feel sorry for him.
0: I know. And I, I would, I would argue that it ultimately doesn't work, but I, I was talking to someone else. who Yeah. Because he's so despicable. Right. Exactly. But like, um, but, but I don't you know. I was talking to someone else who listened to the first two episodes and then gave up. And I was like, uh, like you need to keep listening because if you only listen to the first two episodes, all you hear is like his case for himself. It's like actually nothing, nothing turns my stomach more than the idea that you would kind of half clue in, but like not hear the stories of these women who he hurt. Ugh.
1: I know. Oh God. Just like everybody get out, just get out. If there are creepy vibes at your work, it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. And if like you have a boss who is like, believes that like work and personal should, should be like a completely porous boundary. Like my first boss in journalism, like I would ask me all the time about my relationship and it wasn't like, I mean like that is harassment. Like when your boss is like, tell me what's going on at home and like who you are keeping your private time with, like, You know, in kind of like a prying, creepy old man way. It's like, no, like that is actually workplace harassment. Step back, step back. You don't know me like that. Exactly. I know. Like, if you feel something, say something. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's just
1: like not. It's the kind of thing, too, where like I wish they would just like teach this to everybody in college. They would like teach you what sexual harassment actually was. They would teach you like what is like good professional behavior in and out of work. Just because you work with someone all the time doesn't mean that they're entitled to, like, parts of your private life. Like, that's just ludicrous. Right. It's so ludicrous. But, like, a lot of people, you know, it's, like, people don't know until it's, like, too late or they're in trouble. And guess what? Companies always side with, like, who... It's been interesting, like, watching the Uber fallout. And, like, one of the reasons that's cited for, like, not letting go of all of the problematic people is that they're... um, they're all high performers valuable to the company is like the word they're just like sorry sorry that guy made you feel uncomfortable and is like staring at your boobs but like he's really good at coding here you know like all sorts of like crazy stuff and it's like this is the kind of stuff that like we reward right we reward like high performance we don't reward like people saying like oh this is a toxic work environment so You should like know that and like gird yourself from that early on because like if it doesn't feel good, like literally start looking for another job. It will never get better and it only gets worse the longer you stay.
0: Totally. Because like, yeah, those people are enabled by creating a culture that allows them to do that like it's normal. And so for every person who's like gritting their teeth and pretending that they don't think it's creepy, it makes it easier for that person to just continue pretending or right, like because nobody okay. has
1: voiced up nobody's voiced an issue with it and everybody's still here and the team still stands by you, you know? And it's like for all of our praising of HR on this show also, HR is there to like create a structure, but at the end of the day they like work for your company. So always be looking out for yourself because nobody else is looking out
0: for you. Yeah, and that actually, like that American Apparel story, like just how difficult it was for the board to even investigate like the really plausible claims of wrongdoing was pretty interesting for me to listen to, to kind of say like, okay, like if you're someone who's really invested in this not happening, it took like rogue board members, like like researching yeah. in secret to like act on this at all. You know, I mean, it's like, it's truly... Um, you're right. It's like having HR is not enough. Oof.
1: Nobody cares for the workers, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is. This stuff is nuts. It's so nuts, but it's like, this is capitalism, baby.
0: Well, at some point, I, I feel like on a totally related note, in the not too distant future, we are going to do an episode that is about like CYG as a business and how we have made some of the not always easy capitalist choices that we have made like I don't know I feel personally invested in this in a, in a way that I don't think I did several years ago you know what I mean I know
1: no it's true it's funny because I read these and I'm like what these business owners this is crazy and then I realize that like we're business owners <laughs> how it's I like don't sympathize with any of them, honestly. To me, all it does is like cautionary tale. I was like, this is how easy it is to just like get caught up.
0: Yeah. And then it, I think there's relatively little resources that are about navigating wanting to make money, like not starve, make sure that the time you're investing in the business is rewarded but on the flip side, having realistic expectations and doing it in a way that like matches your beliefs to the greatest extent possible, there are lots of books that are like money, 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 how to grow, and like not a lot about like <laughs> walking what is almost always a really difficult ethical line. Are
1: you trying to run an ethical podcast over here?
0: Not saying I am. Not saying I'm not.
1: <laughs> I was like, you haven't talked to your business wives about this. Listen. <laughs> (laughs)
0: I just I mean listen I know I mean I know you were kidding but like seriously as like a thinking person who has beliefs in the world that's bottom line like we are not like a b-corp we are not a nonprofit. like that's where this stuff gets really screwed up too it's like we're gonna have to do a whole episode about that
1: and people notice people notice too it's like you know it's like the sting of every time somebody says like I know you girls are trying to make some money but dot, dot 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 and I'm just like uh Like, yes, we're all trying to make money. Everybody's time should be compensated. Oh, my God. Okay. But um, we can't go too deep. (laughs) So we're not going to go too deep into our own startup episode. But if you have any questions for us, like you should email them to us.
0: Right. Related related to the biz of CYG. Because that is really, yeah, yeah, what we're going to talk about
1: we're gonna get we're gonna get down and dirty i am i'm both excited and nervous i feel like it'll feel like a therapy session
0: oh my god i'm excited i well it's i'm excited in part because i'm always interested in like one reason why i always read these stories like particularly about women bosses but in general is because like i want to know best and worst practices you know what i mean like i'm just straight up interested well
1: best practice treat your employees like human beings (laughs) worst
0: practice good thing we're our own employees
1: employees. (laughs) Um, that's right good thing we're our own employees right but again like we'll we'll discuss you know why I'm really excited about this episode tell me because it means Gina gets to be on that podcast I know
0: as one third of CYG LLC Gina is gonna be like a critical part of our convo about this
1: maybe Gina's the moral compass of this whole thing we'll find out tune
0: in maybe definitely (laughs) definitely Tune in.
1: <laughs> uh. Okay, boo-boo. I gotta hop in the shower and take <laughs> my pie to my dinner party.
0: <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or on Instagram at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All other music you heard today was composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. This podcast is produced by Gina Delback.
0: Oh, I'll see you on the internet. <laughs> I
1: will see you on the internet. Bye boo. Bye.